In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today is the Feast of Thomas Sunday. This is actually one of the, the minor feasts of the Church. And we read in the Gospel, uh, which speaks about how St. Thomas, who wasn't present with the rest of the disciples whenever Christ appeared to them, that he didn't believe that Christ actually appeared. And he said, I will not believe unless I see with my own eyes that Christ, in fact, is resurrected and alive and has appeared. And at the end of this gospel, of course, we know that Christ does appear again in a way that St. Thomas can see him, and he himself puts his fingers in his side, in the holes in his body, and he believes that he is resurrected from the dead. And it says at the very end of this gospel that St. John the Beloved is writing, he says, But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. And this is really the, the purpose of the Gospels. The, the Gospels are actually written for our benefit so that we will believe that Jesus is the Christ and that we will follow him and that we will have life in his name. And we speak often about life and what does it mean to have life and eternal life and eternity. But what are some of the aspects of this life that maybe we can think about and meditate on to, to kind of look forward to? What is this nature of this eternal life that we are, are called to live? The first characteristics of this eternal life is that in this life we will know God. We will know God. And this is why actually that when we begin to know God intimately and closely even now here on the earth, that we begin to taste of heaven even though we haven't yet gone there. Uh, in John chapter 17 it says, And this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So in order for us to experience eternal life, whether it is to know it here while we are still on earth, or whether to know it indeed in heaven is to know God, to be with God is eternal life, because God is the source of life. So when we are with God and we are in communion with him, we are experiencing this life that God is calling us to experience. And this happens through our knowledge of God. And when we say knowledge, it doesn't mean just like a, like a research. Like I'm studying in a book about God and I understand facts and information about God, but it's truly to know him as a master, as a friend, as a Lord, to know him intimately, to know him in a very close way, the way that I know maybe the, the people that are closest to me and even closer than that. The knowledge of God is not simply um, a book knowledge. The knowledge of God actually is an experiential knowledge. I experience God. I know God through experience. I know God based on how I see him working in my life, based on the faith that I've put in him, and then seeing how he responds to that faith. And this is one of the purposes actually of trials that we experience in the world, that God wants to prove to us and to show us that he is with us, and he wants us to know him. And the way that we know him is by watching him in action. And so he gives us experiences where we get to learn more about his character, learn more about who he is. So this is one important aspect of eternal life, is that we will know God. Another uh, important aspect of eternal life is that we will enjoy God's eternal blessings. In Psalm 16, verse 11, it says, You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Saying what this is the path of life. God is seeking to give us pleasures forevermore. You know, sometimes as Christians, we, we're always speaking against the idea of pleasure and we don't want pleasure and pleasure is bad. Actually, pleasure in itself is not bad. It's the way that we seek the pleasure, right? A lot of times in the flesh, the ways that we seek pleasure is actually destructive. It actually destroys us. It kills us. It brings us away from God and brings us away from life 
and actually leads us to death. But it doesn't mean that God doesn't want us to experience pleasure. This verse here is making it very clear. At your right hand are pleasures, and not just pleasures for a moment, but pleasures that are eternal pleasures, pleasures that are truly satisfying, fulfilling, that make me feel joyful, make me feel like content, right? For the rest of eternity. This is what God is seeking to give us, these eternal blessings. So eternal life is a place of joy, a joy that God intended for us to experience from the beginning, but that we lost it because we sought after the, the physical pleasures, we sought after the temporary pleasures instead of receiving from God the eternal pleasures. So being with God should not be um, a sorrowful experience. You know, maybe we struggle in the flesh in order to learn to be with God, to pray to God, to enjoy His presence. But in eternal life, this will not be a struggle. This will actually be a pleasure. This will be something that I enjoy to be with Him. Also, we will share with God His glory. In Daniel 12, uh, chapter 12, it says, Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. God wants us to shine. God wants us to shine like the brightness of the firmament, of the sky, of the sun. And this is His own glory. He wants us to share with Him the glory that He has. God created us both flesh and spirit. And maybe in our flesh, we are very weak and frail and, 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 and liable to fall quickly. But in our spirit, we are glorious, like God is glorious, like the angels. And God wants us to shine. He wants our glory to shine, and He wants to share with us this eternal glory that He has. This is also uh, something to expect in, in eternity. Also, He offers us the resurrection of the dead. In 1 Thessalonians 4.14, it says, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. So when we look to the resurrection of Christ, we look at, and we call him the first fruits. We always refer to Christ as the first fruits. What is the first fruits? Meaning that we are going to come after him and, and we're going to experience the same thing that he did. But he was the first one. He was the first one to experience the resurrection of the dead. And we are all coming to experience with him this resurrection. He opened the door of paradise for us so that now we can go with him into paradise after him. So just as Jesus died and rose again, so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus, all of us. Those of us who sleep in Jesus, God will raise also from the dead. So when we look at the resurrection, the resurrection is more than just an event that happened to Christ, that happened to God, who, because he is God, that death cannot hold him, so he rose from the dead. Actually, Christ died for our sake so that we could actually experience this. Christ did not need to resurrect. He was already eternally alive. There was, there was no need for him to die and there was no need for him to resurrect except for our own sakes. So he resurrects from the dead so that he might resurrect us from the dead. And this resurrection from the dead, while there is the physical resurrection, there's the physical resurrection where our bodies one day are going to rise from their graves and be united with our spirits and we will ascend to heaven with Christ. But there is also the spiritual resurrection that happens to us in baptism. When we rise up from the waters of baptism, we are resurrected. We are new creations. And in this, God is calling us to a new kind of life that we live with him as resurrected beings, as beings that are living in eternity even now that we do not have to wait to, for our bodies to die for us to go to heaven, but that we experience heaven even now while we are still on earth. 
Also, in eternity, there is no more death. Death will be vanquished. In Revelation chapter 21, it says, And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. This is a very comforting verse. It shows us that what God is not unaware of our pain. God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. He sees the tears. You know, sometimes we think, you know, if God really loved me, if God really cared about me, then he would come and he would solve my problem so that I would stop crying about it, so that I would feel, stop feeling sorrow and, and anxious and depressed about whatever it is that is bothering me. And if God really loved me, then God is going to remove this from me. Okay? But actually, God is saying, what? no, maybe there are other reasons why this is happening. Okay? And, I, and I'm not going to remove it from you, but that doesn't mean that I do not empathize with you. It doesn't mean that I don't experience what you experience. It doesn't mean that I'm not sad that you are going through difficult times. And he says, I will wipe away every tear and there will be no more death nor sorrow. Actually, death is the ultimate source of pain. Death is the ultimate source of uh, anxiety. Death is the ultimate source because what it is, it is our it essentially ends the life that we are that we know here on earth that we is the only thing that we've experienced and for many people this is a very scary thought it's a very scary thought that I'm going to the life that I know that I've lived my entire life here ever since I have awareness that this life is going to end and that I'm going to be transferred to a different kind of life that I do not know and I do not understand but our hope now <coughs> Our hope now is that even though we still experience death and we still go through this process of death, that God has turned death into life. That even though we die, God has made this to be a life-giving action instead of a destructive action. Whereas before his resurrection, when someone would die, they would go to Sheol or Hades and that is where they would stay and they would remain separated from God. And yet now after the resurrection of Christ, we enjoy the benefits of eternal life with God himself. So that death becomes something positive, something that leads me closer to God rather than leads me away from God. So this is also something for us to look forward to. And that we will live eternally, right? We call it eternal life because it will last forever. And there will be these good things that we are talking about, they will be forever. They will last forever. In John chapter 6, it says, This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. And he is speaking here about himself. Right? He's speaking here about himself. Those who eat his bread or his flesh are the ones that are going to live forever. And he compares this to the Israelites when they were wandering in the desert. God sent them food, the manna that came from heaven to them so that they could survive when they were wandering in the desert. But this was not an eternal food. This was a food to, to, that nourished their bodies enough so they can continue this journey that they had through the desert and that they could make it to the end. Right? And they had this for 40 years. But here what Christ is saying, what this is the bread, his bread, that he is offering us himself. This is the bread which came down from heaven. Because he is the one who descended from heaven to earth. Not as your fathers ate and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. So God has given us what? If you want to live forever, I'm giving you the tools. I'm giving you what you need to do in order to live forever. Come and partake of my body and, and then you will live forever. And this is something again that we enjoy, that we have benefit, is that 
once we experience life, we don't want to let go of it. We don't want to let go. We don't want to go back to the state of uncreation again, as though as though you know we were born and then we're becoming unborn. We are we are we are ceasing to exist. As many people who do not believe in God, they believe that after you die, you cease to exist. There's nothing else. There's nothing after that. But we as believers, we believe that what that God has vanquished death. That death is not an end, but death is actually a beginning of a renewed life that will allow us to live forever and to live forever joyfully not to live forever painfully. You know, and I always wonder why people that, you know, here in this life when they say we want to live forever and we don't want to die, what is so good about this life that we want to continue to be here forever, that there is no end of it? And actually God is giving us a much better promise. He says, you know, I, I'm giving you perfection. I'm giving you everything that you were intended to have from the beginning, and this is where you will live forever. And this leads us to the next point about the abundant life in John chapter 10. It says, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly, more abundantly. Even if, even now in this life that we live here on the earth, those who are believers and those who follow the Lord experience an abundant life, meaning a life that is full of joys that cannot come to us otherwise. When you think of the comforts that we have in knowing that God is with us, that God is arranging our life for good, that in itself is so comforting so that when maybe difficult times come and, 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 and maybe tragedies or catastrophes happen in the world, that at least we can try to make some kind of sense of it by saying this is God is allowing it for a reason and that God is still in control. And then God still wants us to navigate through this successfully and, and, and be stronger at the end than we were at the beginning. This is actually part of the abundant life that God is giving us, that there is a purpose in suffering, that there is a purpose in, in our existence, as opposed to someone who doesn't believe in any creation, doesn't believe that there is a creator, doesn't believe that there is a design, doesn't believe that there is a plan. Someone who goes through their life believing that their life has no purpose, has no value. It's just random. Everything happened randomly. So here God is offering us this life and he's saying, this life I have given to you and this life has a purpose and this life there is abundance, meaning I'm going to give you all that you need in this life and prepare you for the eternal life. And, and, and surely a lot of the things that we experience here in this life is a preparation for the eternal life, the life that is to come, the life that maybe we don't fully comprehend or understand, but we trust and have faith and believe that God is leading us to it. Another characteristic of the, uh, uh, the eternal life <coughs> is that we are experiencing the life of Christ himself. Now, Christ is eternally alive, and though he died, he continues to live. He resurrected. And so to live forever is to experience this life with him. We are experiencing what Christ's existence is. Christ, he existed forever as the Logos, as the Son of God, as the second person of the Trinity. And then he came to earth, he incarnated, and then he experienced death on the earth and he resurrected again from the dead. We are experiencing this with him. We are experiencing what does it mean to be alive and then to die and then to resurrect again. In 2 Corinthians 4, it says, always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. We are carrying the dying of the Lord Jesus with us, that the life of Jesus may also be manifested. Meaning in order for us to experience the life of Jesus, the life of Christ, 
We have to experience also the suffering of Christ. And this suffering comes in many forms. And there is a general kind of suffering that maybe all of us experience. You know, for instance, one suffering that we all experience is struggling against sin. Our flesh is attracted to sin. Our flesh is attracted to certain things that God has said, no, these are harmful for you. So it's like we are born into the world as addicts. We are born addicted to sin. And the sin is naturally something we gravitate towards, something we like, something we enjoy, something we want to do. And God is saying, no, these are bad things. These are things that are going to hurt you. We're going to destroy you, just like drugs. And yet we, we, we love these things. We want these things. And so we go through our life struggling to, to avoid these things, to stop being consumed with these things, to overcome the temptations that we have to go after these things. This is a type of struggle, right? This is a type of dying. We are dying in the flesh to sin. Right? This is what we are doing. We're putting to death our flesh. We're saying, no, these urges and these temptations and these things that my body is telling me that I should participate in, these are wrong and I don't want to do it. This is a type of suffering. Of course, there's other sufferings as well and many specific, unique kinds of sufferings for each one of us in the different situations that God has allowed. But this is what carrying with us the, the body of the dying of the Lord Jesus, this suffering, this, this, this burden that we bear for God, that we are struggling to live a life pleasing to God and one that does not lead us to darkness and death that the life of Jesus also may be manifested when we die with the Lord Jesus we also resurrect with him just as he died on the cross and just as we uh, he also resurrected we also want to be resurrected with him finally this nature of eternal life all these ex things that we experience about God whether it be now or later in whatever way that God is, we see God is with us and that he is filling us with this abundant life and with goodness, this is something that we should be sharing with other people. When we speak about evangelism and what is, what is evangelism? Evangelism is sharing the nature of eternal life and what is our purpose here in the world and how did we come to be here and all these things that we speak about and maybe take for granted. It is sharing this with people that are outside of the church. Because maybe a lot of people in the world, they don't have these comforts. They don't have these consolations. They don't feel like they have a sense of purpose. They don't believe that there is anything for them after death. And, and as such, they just want to enjoy the, the world as much as possible. And to be very honest, if we believe the same, we would likely do the same. If, if, if we believe that there was nothing else after this, you know, then you'd enjoy yourself here as much as you possibly can because you don't believe that there is anything else. But actually, in so doing, these people are actually destroying themselves because they're actually making it harder for themselves to understand and realize the truth that this is not the end, that there is something after this and better than this. Uh, St. John the Beloved, he speaks to us in John chapter 4. He says, do you not say, this is Christ speaking, there are still four months and, and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. This is this fruit of eternal life is what he's speaking about. He who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life. He's saying one of the ways that you actually experience eternal life, one of the ways that you you know you, you, you experience this abundant life, one of the ways that you experience everything that we've talked about today is actually sharing this message with other people, right? That both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together, right? So we who are called by God to salvation, 
we who are called by God to live eternally. God is saying to us what? You are not just saved by yourselves. I want the whole world to be saved. I want everyone in the world to be saved. And you are the messengers that are going to go and facilitate this salvation in the world by going and spreading this message to others, right? This is what he is saying here. And he's saying what? Lift up your eyes and look at the fields for they are already white for harvest. Sometimes we imagine that, you know what? There is very few people that could accept the message of salvation. We say it's too difficult. You have to be born in it in order to actually, you know, be able to live it. You, you know, people, people outside in the world, they wouldn't understand the Orthodox uh, Church. They wouldn't understand the faith. They, they would be overburdened by like, it's just, it's too much for them, right? But what here is Christ saying? He's saying, no, the, the fields are white for harvest, meaning the harvest is ready. The only thing that's missing, what? Is the workers. That is the thing that's missing. The, it's like it's like God, everything is already prepared and the only thing left for us to do is to go reap this harvest that has already been prepared for us. So part of this experiencing of eternal life and gathering the fruits of eternal life is to share this eternal life with other people. God wants everyone he created to be his children. He wants everyone he created to participate in this eternal life and he has given us this mission and this goal for us to do this. And so I want to emphasize again, I know a lot of times when we speak about, for instance, having a harvest meeting, this is actually why we call it the harvest meeting. Um, we have a harvest meeting and we say, we, we have an invite your friends day and I want everybody to invite your friends. And then we find that maybe one or two people are the only ones that invited anybody to come. I want us all to really think in ourselves, like, why is this happening? Why is it that we are struggling to invite other people to come to church? Is it that we're really doing our part and they're saying no? Or is it that I am maybe not doing my part? Maybe there is something that I could be doing more. Maybe I feel awkward. Maybe I feel like I don't know how to go and to present my faith to others. And we're not talking about some theological discourse. It's something very simple. The people that I'm already friends with, and I go and I talk to them about what I believe, find some opportunity maybe in something that's happening, and talk to them about what I believe, invite someone to a Bible study, to church, to something very casually. And there is no commitment here. If they say no, they say no. But it's up to us to make this effort and to realize that actually God is the one who is bringing these people because he says that they are there. They are, the field is white for harvest and we are called to bring them. And this is actually part of our eternal life as well. God is saying, why is it that you have taken this talent that I've given you and you have buried it in the ground instead of going into producing more? And then when the master comes and he calls us to present to him, what is it that we have done? We say, well, master, I know that you are very harsh. And so I took this one talent and I just buried it in the ground so that no one would take it. And I'm here presenting it to you again. And he's saying, well, why didn't you go and actually, you know, invest it? Why didn't you multiply? Why didn't you produce more so that when I come, I find that actually you have created and produced more than what I gave you. And this is what God is saying to us. He's saying, I've given you this treasure. I've given you this talent. Go and share it with other people so that when I come, I find that actually more people have received it, have accepted it, that will have salvation than just those people whom I originally gave it to 2000 years ago, right? So God is, God is giving us this message today and he's saying, share this life, this, this life. Don't just be contented and happy that you have received this life, that God is giving you this life. He wants us to share this life with others. And glory be to God forever. Amen.